How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to 19-Year-Old Shrink. This is Will John Grande. Today's episode is about trauma bonding and understanding what the root cause of trauma bonding is. But first off, let's define it. So trauma bonding is that emotional attachment that we feel to a relationship despite the trauma that we've experienced from the other person. And a lot of times we see this in romantic relationships, but this happens in friendships and family relationships as well. And I feel like this happens all the time now where people are just staying in relationships with people that are just so wrong for them. But let's start with relationships. And some of the big things that I hear about people's reasoning for staying in these relationships is the investment they've put in. And I just heard this from my friend literally like two days ago. He said, we've just been through so much together. I've given so much to this relationship that giving up on it now would be a wasted couple of years. And then I began thinking about different topics that I've talked about so far. And this ties back to that idea of the sunk cost fallacy. It applies to relationships as well. Someone might buy a movie ticket. This is a different example. (laughs) They end up going to the movie and then they think it's horrible. Halfway through, they're thinking of leaving to themselves. I want to leave, but I already spent the money on the ticket, so I'm going to wait it out so I get my money's worth. But the reality is that you've already spent the money and you aren't getting that back. You've already expressed that you haven't liked the movie, so you could accept that you did invest in this and then use your time on something you actually do enjoy and get something out of that time back. But a lot of times our ego gets in the way and we don't want to become defeated and admit that our decision (laughs) wasn't the best. So even though we might have reality set in, our ego gets in the way of us making a wiser decision. So let's bring it back to relationships. One person might recognize that they've been with their partner for two years now. They spent so much time together and almost forget what life was like before being with them. They've just gotten so comfortable. Things aren't going well now. And deep down, they realize that, but the same idea happens, just like the movie. They already paid or invested in that relationship, but then their ego gets in the way. Sometimes they're too afraid or too afraid of admitting defeat that they try to prove themselves wrong and keep going with things that just aren't working. And I've done this before. And I've totally been there. And I'm at fault for all of these things in my life. Now, let's get to where that trauma comes in. Let's talk more about the relationship itself. A lot of this information is coming from healthline.com, which is one of the websites that I looked at. I don't want to take all the credit for this, but it discusses many of the different ways trauma bonding affects us. And if you've experienced more trauma in your upbringing, that can also contribute to you becoming attracted to those type of relationships moving forward. And you might wonder... Why would someone ever want to be in an abusive relationship? And I think we often associate abusive relationships with constant fighting, yelling, and horrible interactions between your partner. But what makes it difficult is that this is not always how it is. There are moments where you are having these fights, but then there's those makeup moments where your partner tries to make amends and they say how much you mean to them. A lot of times people aren't bonding with the trauma, they're bonding with the cycle following the trauma, which is the kindness, the intimacy displayed as almost an apology. Your girlfriend or boyfriend brings you gifts or says, sorry, that won't happen again. Or there's this extravagant date they take you on to mask the emotional healing that needs to be done with things that are just a band-aid. 
this date is a band-aid for what really needs to be approached, which is a conversation between you two. And as the article mentions, that first experience of abuse might take you by surprise and then you hear their apology and begin to focus back on the good old days. You think, oh, this was just one slip up. That's not how they really are. The honeymoon period before there was that specific moment of trauma comes back in. But then the cycle continues. Instead of changing their actions, your partner begins to be abusive again, yell at you, make you feel awful about yourself, you name it. And then they have these ways of showing their intimacy that fool you into believing that your relationship is still in that phase that it once was. But think about it deep down. Is it really in that phase still? Or maybe there's a weekend where you had a big fight or it just hasn't been the same vibe as it once was. And then you both remove yourself from the relationship for a couple of days, maybe a week or two. And then you begin to feel this fear. What happens if I lose this person? We haven't talked in a couple of weeks. This might be nearing the end of this chapter in my life. But I don't know if I want to close this chapter and go out into the world of the unknown. Because that world is scary and I haven't been there in a couple of years. And I've been this person's friend, their partner for years now. And maybe I'm just making a huge mistake. And then you start to miss them. And then we fall into the habit of wanting what we don't have. Absence, have you ever heard this? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I've been there. And once we feel like we've lost them, we become more attracted to them. I know it's a screwy system. And we begin recounting all of the good times back in our head and make that decision to go back to those people in our lives. And I think that might be one of the biggest red flags that we've fallen victim to in our lives. I've seen my friends do this. I've seen me do this. You see this on TV everywhere. And I think another idea that gets put into our head is that life isn't easy and relationships take work. And we begin to mistake the toxicity of these relationships as a normal human function. That is just a part of the daily grind of being yourself. And yes, relationships do take work. Friendships, marriages, I'm guessing, haven't been there yet. And you're not always going to be on the same page as people or your friends or loved ones. But if we constantly accept toxic behavior as just a normal human function, we're going to set ourselves up for more of that toxic treatment in our life. And what does that look like for us? So let's keep it going. Take note, a very important part of this traumatic bond is the cyclical nature of the relationship. What this cyclical nature does is it enforces the idea of hope. Because as the article mentions, if it were bad all the time, it would be very easy to leave the relationship because there would be no hope of it getting any better. But because toxic relationships have a cyclical nature to them, we become addicted to the feeling of hope and we hold on to that and then let it get knocked down just to be built back up again when they buy that new gift for you or say that they're going to change. Another sign of these relationships is a certain power imbalance that you may experience. They might have that control on you, even if they aren't outright saying this to you. You might leave the relationship and feel as though they account for a lot of the opportunities and adventures that you've had. So you end up going back to them and stay in it. Or maybe you've developed an unbelievable friend group through your partner. But if you let go of that relationship with him or her, you might consequently lose all those close friends that you've made. So they hold this dominating force over you that is controlling many different areas of your life, even if they're not directly doing it. Or financially, 
more in marriage kind of, they might provide a lot of support or just have a dominant personality, which leads to you fearing what could happen if you end up doing something that they don't like. And some other signs that the article mentions is the whole idea of you feeling as though you can change them. This is a big one. This is another very important idea to take into account. Because when you do this, when you think I can change them, you feel as though you are being a good friend or a good partner. But then it puts all of the weight on yourself when the things that they need to change are rooted in them and they need to figure some of those things out for themselves. Feeling like we can change them means that they aren't putting in enough effort to change themselves, so we have to come in for backup. And what does that reveal to us? That reveals to us that their promises are empty. They aren't coming through on the things that they said they would. And is that really a relationship or friendship or anything? Is that worth staying in? And is that fair for you to stay in? Because you deserve better. Some other interesting findings in this article, it was definitely a very, very interesting article, kept me on the edge of my seat for a very long time, but some other interesting findings were the role of adrenaline and cortisol. So I'm gonna get a little science with you for a second. When you experience abuse, your brain recognizes it and warns the rest of your body. This leads to the adrenaline and cortisol kicking in where you begin to feel it physically and mentally. As these thoughts become too difficult to experience emotionally and physically, we begin to try and focus on the positivity so that we don't have to experience those negative fear responses. Dopamine also plays a role in the forgiveness period that follows the abuse. Everyone loves that feeling of opening a gift or feeling intimacy with a partner. And when we experience those things, we feel that rush of dopamine. We begin to crave it. And even when we feel that abuse, our body subconsciously recognizes that cycle of reward that follows, and we become addicted to that cycle of the trauma bond. Now, I've broken down a lot of this for you, but let's dive into some of the more positive things, some of the more solution-based things that we can look into, and how we can make positive changes in our life to steer us in the right direction. First, keep a journal. So I've mentioned before the importance of having shorter periods of taking notes so that we can critique our daily approaches and see any changes that need to be made instead of doing that once a year. Check in with yourself more often. Considering trauma bonds emphasize cycles, writing down your experiences with your partner each and every day can allow you to begin to see the patterns in their behavior. When you begin thinking, oh, they're going to change, you can start referring back to your notes from the last outburst they had and your feelings associated with it then. Once you see your feelings were the same then as they are now, you can begin to have a more realistic understanding that them changing might not happen. Another idea that the article mentions is imagining your relationship as one that your friend has with another person. Would you be telling them to do the same thing that you're doing in yours? Probably not. You'd probably say that you deserve better and you would be able to point out the flaws in their partner. It's a similar idea to how our internal dialogue is so mean compared to how we speak to others. We need to treat ourselves with the same respect and tell us, you deserve better in a friendship, relationship, than what you're getting, because that is what you're telling your friends. And this person is messing up, and you need to recognize that. Lastly, ask people for advice. There are many people out there that have even more experiences than you might, or that I might have. And believe it or not, they've gone through similar experiences. Being okay with not being okay all the time 
is what's going to lead to positive changes in our lives so that we can have the best relationships in our life as possible. All right. I know I threw a lot at you guys right there, but I hope you enjoyed today's talk. If you want to reach out to me, my Instagram page is 19-year-old shrink podcast and my personal page is wjg23. Again, I'm not 19 years old, but we got to keep riding on that name till the end of it. But thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Take care.